Good morning. Lord Jesus, we're just going to surrender this time to you. I surrender myself to you. I ask that you would uh, speak through me this morning and that um, you would give us all ears to hear, myself included, what it is that you want us to hear from you. You are deserving of so much praise and glory and the surrender of our lives to you. So come and have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have been in our extraordinary series where we've been talking about living a life of love like Jesus. Today we're going to focus on the fact that Jesus was compassionate. We've had quite a few messages over this series that have really set the stage for this morning. We had Dan talking about Jesus leading with grace. We had um, Jim talking about seeing people through the eyes of Jesus. We had Carl talking about being a servant like Jesus. And I kind of feel like I could come up here and go ditto to what they said and sit back down again because so much of it really does end up talking about Jesus being compassionate. So this morning I thought what I would do is sort of stand on what it is they've already talked about and look specifically at three times where we see, or three types of situations where we see Jesus showing compassion. We see him showing compassion in response to sin, in response to suffering, and in response to life circumstances. But before we dive into that specifically, it's important that we all have the same understanding of what I mean when I'm saying compassion. So a definition from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary of Compassion is the sympathetic consciousness of another's distress together with the desire to alleviate it. It's this ability to understand or have a sense of what someone else is struggling with and also wanting to do something about it. Compassion Canada on their website says, compassion means someone else's heartbreak becomes your heartbreak. Another's suffering becomes your suffering. True compassion changes the way we live. Now Jim highlighted for us in his uh, message that there is a particular word in the Greek that's only used when describing Jesus showing compassion. It's behind me on the screen. I'm not going to try to say it like he did. But it means to be moved as to one's bowels. Because in those days, it was thought that love and pity came from your bowels. And so Jim said basically what that means is that Jesus' heart and gut were wrenched in response to the people that he encountered. So based on those definitions of compassion, what do you think of when you think of Jesus being compassionate? Are there certain stories that come out for you that jump out from the Bible that you would um, say describe Jesus being compassionate? Just shout it out. The blind man? Woman at the well, I heard. Healing the lepers. Feeding the 5,000. Okay. Okay, so raising Lazarus, the adulteress, uh oh, adulteress. Show me some compassion, okay, if my spelling is wrong? Okay, all right. What's really cool to me is that uh, these are all things I was planning on talking about. All right, 
So those are some stories that come to mind from the Bible that demonstrate Jesus' compassion. I'm going to go over to this side. Tell me what that means for you in your relationship with Jesus, that he is compassionate. We know the definitions of compassion. We know some examples of what it looked like in Jesus' day. What does that mean for you? And I'll start. It makes me feel safe with him. Freedom? Feeling loved? He understands. Whoops, there's two. We're safe. I heard example. Example. Worry free. Okay, so it, it impacts you emotionally. It means you can trust his promises. Okay. So we could probably go on and on, right? <laughs> but they only give me so much time. So <sighs> It impacts us. This fact that Jesus has compassion in his response to us. I love what Sean Bolt says about compassion. He says, when Jesus was moved by compassion, it was not just a feeling he had, but an understanding and conviction of what those people he encountered meant to the Father. Jesus wants us to see people the way he's always longed for them to be seen, and from that revelation, to treat them out of his culture of love so that they'll want to be the version of themselves that we see, which is the version of them that God sees. That's the call in our lives as Jesus followers, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to show us what the people look like from Jesus' perspective, that he would allow us to understand how much every single person in this world means to God the Father, and to allow that to enable us to treat them the way God wants them to be treated. And that in so doing, they will be witnessed to about Almighty God and his love, and they'll want to be who God intended them to be when he created them. So let's start by taking a look at how Jesus had compassion in response to sin. Dan did an amazing job a few weeks ago unpacking Jesus leading by grace, and he used the story of the woman being dragged before, his, before Jesus because she was caught in adultery. And he pointed out that Jesus focused on her before her sin. We see that again with the woman at the well. She's there at the well. She needs water and she needs eternal life. And Jesus focuses on her and her need before her sin. Now I want to be really clear. When I'm saying that Jesus is compassionate in response to sin, I am not saying that Jesus says sin is okay. I am not saying we should think sin is okay. The Bible is very clear that the wages of sin is death. And it was Jesus who paid the price for our sin. So of course it's not okay. What I am saying 
is that despite that, despite the fact that God hates sin and that Jesus had to die for our sin, that did not impact Jesus' ability to be compassionate in response to sin. It's not an either-or. It's a both-and. To embody, Jesus embodied a sympathetic consciousness of our distress because of sin and a desire to alleviate it. He understands how hard it is for us to live in this fallen world where everywhere we go, every single day there are temptations and things that are an allure to us to cause us to make a choice that is not in line with what God wants for us. Every single day. And he knows how hard it is. He saw what happened in the Garden of Eden. Back when God created Adam and Eve, everything was perfect. There wasn't sin surrounding them every day like there is for us. They had unhindered intimacy with God Almighty, and God himself, out of his very own mouth, said, don't do this one thing, or you're going to die. It doesn't get any more clear or specific than that. And they still succumbed to the wiles of the enemy. Jesus saw that. He knows how hard it is for us to withstand those temptations because we have more than one thing we're fighting against and we are not living in perfection. But he doesn't just know it because he saw what happened then and because he's God. He knows it because he was here. He walked here. He lived among us. He understands personally what it's like to have a relentless assault against you by the enemy of your souls. Hebrews 4.15 tells us we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses, which is a whole lot of negatives, and it basically means he gets it. He gets it because he lived it. And Hebrews 2.18 tells us because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus is compassionate in response to our sin because he understands, because he has an awareness of the distress that it causes. Because he lived it. Makes us feel all of those things that he gets it. But it also should inform how we respond to sin. Our sin and the sin of the people around us, either other Christians or people who don't yet know Jesus. Because we too have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, haven't we? Every single one of us here in this room knows what it's like to suffer because of temptation. Only we've fallen, unlike Jesus. So how much more should we be able to respond compassionately to people's sin? Because we, more than anyone else, understands how hard it is. And let's be honest, until Jesus comes back, we keep sinning. Hopefully less and less the more we are sanctified and drawn close to Jesus, but there isn't one person here in this room who doesn't get it. So we should be the most powerful bearers of Jesus' compassion in response to sin that this world has ever seen because we get it, because he gave it to us. It does break Jesus' heart when we sin, don't get me wrong, but it's not just because he hates sin. It's because he loves us. 
It's because it breaks his heart that he has to see us in bondage, tormented by the stuff he died to save us from. It's the whole point of the cross. It's what we remember every single Sunday, that God so loved us, he gave his son to die for us so that we could have everlasting life, so we could have access to the full life that Jesus intended us to have from the beginning. Jesus has some passion for us, such compassion for us. He had such a sense of our distress and such a strong desire to alleviate it, he died for it. That takes compassion to a whole other level, doesn't it? So if Jesus can have that kind of posture towards our fallenness, how much more so should we have that kind of posture towards the fallenness we see around us. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward and the worship team to come back up, and I'm going to pray for the bread and the cup. We're going to stop. We're going to remember what Jesus did for us. We're going to remember the compassion, the love he showed for us by dying on the cross and what he offers us. And if you're here this morning and you are good at beating yourself up for your sin, remember the cross and what Jesus did for you, that he wants freedom, not condemnation. He said, I didn't come to condemn, right? He came to save and to give us this new life because he loves us and wants to show us compassion. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us enough for being willing to um, come here and live this life so that you would have an ability like no other to understand and sympathize with our weakness. Help us in the suffering that we experience because of temptation. Lord Jesus, thank you for surrendering to the cross, for being obedient to your Father and choosing to pay that price for our sin. Thank you that because of you, because your body was broken, because your blood was shed, we are washed clean. We are clothed in the righteousness of you, Lord Jesus. We praise you and give you glory for that. And as we remember now, may you take this remembrance as a token of our tremendous love and gratefulness for your sacrifice, without which we would have nothing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, that's what it means, right? For Jesus to have a compassionate response to our sin. He's not saying it's okay, because to say it was okay would mean that he didn't really need to die. To say it was okay would mean that he's all right with us being in bondage, tormented, horribly made to feel rotten. <laughs> That's not loving. He's not saying it's okay. That's not what compassion in response to sin means. It means, hey, I'm here. I want to help you. I don't want you stuck like that anymore. I don't want you feeling like you can't do it. I want to give you me. I want to give you my spirit so you can live free. That's why I came to die. And I get it. So you don't have to feel ashamed. 
I get it, that's really hard. That enemy, he is powerful. Trust me, the reason I could sustain it and withstand was because the power of Almighty God was how I relied on, what I relied on so that I could withstand. So let me help you. Let me give you me in you, my power in you, because then you will be able to withstand. Then you will be able to resist. Then you will be freer and freer and freer, and you will no longer be slaves to sin because you're a child of God. That's what it means to have a compassionate response to sin. But he shows us compassion to other things too. Suffering is another thing. We suffer so much in this world. There's sickness, mental health issues, loss, loss because of loss of jobs, loss of relationships, death. There's so many things that cause us to suffer in this world. And when we look at Jesus' life, he consistently responds compassionately when he sees people suffering. Matthew 14, 14 tells us, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Matthew 20, 34 says Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Mark 1, 41 to 42 says filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and then the man was healed of leprosy. Jesus saw the suffering that sickness caused these people and he wasn't okay with it. He didn't like to see them suffering. It was never a part of God's plan that we would suffer. And so his response is to want to do something about it because he understands how precious those people are to him and to his father, and he's not okay with sitting there and tolerating it. So he responds. And we see that in response to loss and sorrow as well. Luke 7 tells us the story of the, of the widow who lost her son who died. And in verse 13, it tells us that when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, weep not. And then he raised her son from the dead. We see this again in Luke 11, the story of Lazarus. There's that verse, verse 35, famous shortest verse in the Bible, that Jesus wept in response to what was happening. You weep when you get it, right? You weep when you are connected to the impact of what's going on in someone else's life and it moves you in the bowels of your being. You know, I saw something when I was studying this passage, though, that I'd never noticed before. You probably have, but I can be slow. So I'm going to share it with you because it so struck me. Jesus goes to the tomb where he's confronted with these people who are just bereft with grief. They're so upset because Lazarus has died. And that's the context in which we read that Jesus wept. But he actually told them that this sickness wasn't going to end in death. So he went to that tomb knowing Lazarus was going to be dead, but that he was going to raise him from the dead so that the Father could be glorified. So why cry? If he's coming up to these people and he sees them all upset, why didn't he say, don't worry about it, it's okay. Remember I told you, this isn't going to be the way it is. I'm going to raise them. It's not like it said, you know, Jesus had a misty eye or he shed a tear. He wept. Why weep when you know you're about to fix the problem? 
Because our Savior, the one who has compassion for our suffering, is more focused on us than the facts. He was so focused in that moment on these people that he loved who were bereft with grief, who were so distraught at the loss of Lazarus, who he loved as well, that he responded to that, not the facts. Even though like in two more seconds he was going to raise him from the dead and exude all this amazing power. He was caught in that space with them. You know, if you look a couple of verses earlier in verse 33, it says that um, when he saw everyone so upset, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And I've always read those verses as meaning it just really upset him and it got him so upset that then he cries. But those words actually mean he was angered. He was angry that the devil had his way with people that he loved, that the result of the enemy's work on this world was that people that were precious in his sight were hurting, and it ticked him off. And that got him so upset and so wrapped up in what they were going through, he wept. Have you ever wept? It's because you feel so deeply that's how Jesus responds to our suffering. You're suffering here this morning. Know that Jesus is moved by that into the bowels of his being and does not like it. And that's how we should be responding to the suffering around us. It should move us if we're going to live a life of love like Jesus. We also see evidence in the gospel of Jesus responding compassionately to other kinds of things as well, which I called life circumstances. I'm sorry, I couldn't think of an S word. But these are like physical hunger and need, spiritual hunger and need kind of situations. In Mark 6, we read a story of feeding the 5,000. And it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus sees this group of 5,000 people who are hungry and thirsty for him and the truth that he has to give them. And it moves him so deeply that he responds to exactly what it is they're looking for. The spiritual state of those 5,000 people got him deep, deep down. The spiritual state of those around us should move us in the bowels of our being, the saved and the unsaved. And then just a couple of chapters later, there's 4,000 people following Jesus. And it says in Mark 8, verse 2, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. So he fed them. Notice he didn't tell the 4,000 people, you know, you didn't plan ahead. You should really have packed some food. That wasn't very good thinking on your part. You need to do a better job of being organized. This is not a life skill you can ignore people. He also didn't look at them as freeloaders who are just looking for a handout. He saw their need, was moved with compassion. Like he didn't just say, oh, we better feed them. They've been around a while. He was moved in the bowels of his being in response to them. And so he fed them. 
When we see people going through life circumstances who have physical hunger and need or spiritual hunger and need, the call on our lives as Jesus followers is not to say things like, oh, they bring it upon themselves. It's because of the poor choices they made. Well, what do they expect? They did X, Y, and Z. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that that's what was going to happen. The call on our lives as Jesus followers is to respond like Jesus followers, to follow Jesus and his example, to respond with compassion. I have a friend who goes to Forest Brook here who lives this out in the most powerful way like no one else I've ever met. And I'm a therapist who works in the helping profession, so that tells you something. This person's spiritual gift is unbelievable. They work downtown, so they go by people who live on the street every day. And given the way this person lives their lives, I suspect many people know this person's name. I know for a fact one man who lived on the street does, who I'm going to call Bob, because my friend noticed Bob and decided to befriend Bob, began to care about Bob, meet with Bob, enter into a relationship with Bob where Bob felt like a part of this person's life and vice versa. Bob got sick and died. And my friend put on their Sunday best and went down to Bob's funeral. One of the only people in that room remembering Bob. My friend got up and spoke about Bob at Bob's funeral. Paid honor and respect to a life that they had chosen to show compassion in response to, like Jesus. When my friend was telling me this story, they could hardly share it. They were so moved in the bowels of their being. They were so choked up because they loved like Jesus loved. Are we moved like that? Do we get choked up in response to the life circumstances that people face? Do we get choked up in response to the suffering we see around us? Do we get choked up when someone is wrestling with the devil of this world? Does it choke us up because it choked Jesus up? Are we moved by it because we should be if we are Jesus followers? There are people in need of Jesus' compassion every single day of our lives. There are people who came here this morning desperate for the compassion of Jesus. Either because of sin or suffering or life circumstances or something else. Well, there are people here this morning who are living in a season of blessing and grace, praise God. But sitting around you is somebody who needs the compassion of Jesus. And so I figure we should probably live a life of love like Jesus here this morning and show those people the compassion of Jesus. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is if you came here this morning and you are one of those people who really needs an encounter with the compassion of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to either raise your hand or stand where you are. And those of you who aren't standing, you need to find someone with their hand up or their them standing and you need to surround them 
And we are going to pray for them. We are going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us his eyes, to move us in the bowels of our being so that their heartbreak is ours, so that their suffering is ours, so that they can experience Jesus' compassion for them here this morning. Because that's what we're called to do as Jesus' followers. We shouldn't be leaving here this morning without encountering Jesus. Because this is for him. And we're living for him. So... I'm going to pray, and as I'm praying, if you're someone who really came here this morning wanting to experience the compassion of Jesus, please raise your hand or stand. When I'm finished praying, I'm going to ask those of you around, surround that person. There shouldn't be one person whose hand is up or who's standing who does not have a crowd of people around them. Lord Jesus, there are people here this morning who came here because they need an encounter with you. They need to experience your compassion either because of their sin, because of their suffering, or because of their life circumstances. So I would ask you, Holy Spirit, to give us your eyes to see people who have their hands raised or who are standing. Would you move in those of us who are in a season of grace and blessing to be able to respond to that person that you've identified for us to go to such that we can pray out of that understanding, that sympathetic consciousness of their distress. Give us a desire to alleviate it through the power of your spirit so that people leave here today knowing that you are in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I would also say that if someone's here this morning who doesn't know Jesus and that's what you need, you make sure you say that because we can make sure you meet him today. So let's move around. There are people standing. There are people who need prayer. Let's do it.